Every day we are bombarded with notifications and updates. We are constantly connected. For our generation, it's been like this since middle school. I'm able to like see what my friends are doing. Just sending pictures of like your face or where you are. I have friends all over the world that I can communicate with. You can see the whole world through one app. We are always connected, but at the same time, we are more isolated than ever. I think it takes away from legitimate social interaction. It definitely makes me compare my life to other people's. They have really cool pictures and make me feel bad about my own life. It's not an actual reflection of your real life. I think it's more just what you want to show people. I feel like it's distracting. It does take up a lot of my time. Follow along with us as we explore why our generation is so attached to social media. Put your AirPods in. We're keeping your streaks alive with society. Welcome to episode two of Gen Z T with Mariel Gorsuch and Jane Merle. And for those of you who don't know, T is Gen Z slang for the inside scoop. And we're about to spill the hottest tea, so don't burn yourself. You can't go far without seeing someone on electronics these days, right? Some people might even say they're addicted. Experts say yes, and they're seeing more and more people suffering from it. It activates a reward center of the brain in a similar way that cocaine or alcohol use does, increasing the pleasure chemical dopamine that leads to distress, mood changes, and social problems. The consequences also include impaired sleep and feelings of withdrawal when not compulsively checking social media. Young people report higher levels of loneliness and social isolation than 72-year-olds and older. We know that young people are connected, but they seem to be disconnected from each other. A lot of us think this is because these young people are too tethered to their phones. As a generation, we've grown up surrounded by social media. We open our phones to see pictures of our closest friends' faces for 10 seconds on Snapchat or we're stalking their locations on Snap Maps. And for some reason, we don't see this as creepy or invasive, but instead as a form of communication. When we asked people in Generation Z what their favorite social media apps are, many raved about Snapchat. I like Snapchat the most because it allows you to like connect with people from wherever, whenever, and you can like send pictures and text them. It's just like so interactive. Probably Snapchat because you get to like talk to your friends every day. I'm really enjoying the feature of SnapMap being able to track my friends. Sometimes they lie about where they go, so I like to make sure they're telling the truth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, you know, I like to see what everyone's up to, and uh, I like how instantaneous it is. On Instagram, we're inundated with perfectly edited photos of friends, famous people, and influencers. Instagram is a crowd favorite for many reasons. Instagram, because you can see what everyone's doing. It's super easy to use, and everyone posts on it. I just really like how you can inspire people through Instagram, like just through pictures and a little post. And don't forget about Twitter. My favorite social media app is Twitter because I think there's a good combination of entertainment and news. I can get some actual like current events on there, but it's also entertaining. We still check Facebook to keep up with event invites and life updates from mostly older generations. We edit and upload photos on Visco and create and distribute lip sync videos on TikTok. This next part's my favorite part of uh, this time to shine. Gonna do the two-step and cowboy boogie. Then we get into the wishy-washy forms of quasi-social media, like Spotify. 
which is a music streaming app where you can share playlists and see what your friends are listening to. At night, we scroll through pages and pages of pictures on Instagram. I call it the scroll hole. And in the morning, we wake up to faces of our best friends on Snapchat. We invest hours of our time on these devices, so it's not surprising that our generation is constantly accused of losing touch with reality. 93% of young people aged 18 to 29 report using their smartphone as a tool to avoid boredom, as opposed to other activities like reading a book or engaging with people around them. But we still don't pay much attention to the haters, because if we're being honest, for most of us, technology is all we've ever known. Social media is our new normal and we choose to bask in its benefits instead of dwelling on how it could negatively affect us. So who is right, or is anyone? Is technology and social media benefiting our lives, or is it actually detrimental to our well-being? Are we losing touch with reality without even realizing it? While society is telling us that our generation is being ruined by technology, Mariel and I did our homework. We found two Gen Zers who have created a new kind of social media app that can help save lives. Hi guys, I'm Charlie Lucas. I'm 14, going into freshman year of high school. My name is Hannah. <laughs> I'm 17 years old, gonna be a senior in high school, so help me guys. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> Do everything you can. Hannah and Charlie Lucas are siblings, and they live about 30 minutes outside of Atlanta. We met up with them at Aspen Ideas Fest, where they were speaking about the app they created two years ago with the purpose of getting people the help they need through the use of technology. So the Not Okay app is essentially a digital panic button that when you press it, it sends a text message to your pre-selected up to five closest contacts with a text message that says, hey, I'm not okay, come call me, text me, or come check up on me, along with your current GPS location and directions. Hannah first came up with the idea for Not Okay as a freshman in high school. I was diagnosed with a chronic illness called POTS. It stands for Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. And essentially, it just meant if I sit up too fast, the blood would drain from my head and pull in my legs, and then I would pass out and be out like a light. It was two and a half years before Hannah knew what was really going on with her. And by the time she was diagnosed in high school, things had gotten really bad. I was bullied, I was harassed, I was sexually threatened by um, guys in my class who found out that I passed out. And all of this just caused me to spiral deeper and deeper and deeper into depression. I struggled with eating disorders, self-harm, and eventually had a suicide attempt. But luckily, my mom saved me that night, and um, I was able to come up with the idea for this app so that I wouldn't have to struggle again. When Hannah's condition stabilized, she was able to take coding and entrepreneurship classes at local colleges. And when she told her brother Charlie, with the family nickname Tech Support, about the app, he was eager to help her too. Together, they worked hard and eventually turned Hannah's idea into a reality. And thank God they did, because when you look at how many people are dealing with mental illness, it's startling. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, just over half of children aged 8 to 15 received mental health services in the previous year. And approximately one in five adults in the U.S., that's 43.8 million people, experiences mental illness in a given year. And the app isn't just for people with mental health conditions. Our app is for anyone who is not okay, whatever that means to them. Because, I mean, let's face it, there are like infinitely many ways to be not okay in today's society, right? Being not okay could even be like, look, I'm really trying to lose this weight and there's this amazing slice of cake right here. I need moral (laughs) support right now, you know? When we ask them what kind of role they think traditional social media plays in causing the problems they are working to address, like depression, anxiety, and eating disorders, they actually responded by saying, Social media is a very neutral thing. 
You just get all the stuff from the people on social media, whoever they are, and just say whatever they want to online without actually having to show their face or actually have to deal with consequences. Social media is incredible, you know, it keeps people in touch from here all the way across the world. But the dark side of social media is not social media itself, but the people on social media. If you are in a headspace where you're not we're not too strong right now, I think it would be best to stay off of social media. Hannah and Charlie pointed out that most people portray their lives on social media in a way that is flawless, giving the false impression that every user is living a perfect life. Jane and I agreed, realizing that we've absolutely felt lesser and sometimes sad about ourselves after looking through excessive, flawless photographs of others. But we can't say that we don't go out of our way to post perfect pictures ourselves. Most people post pictures that they feel they look better in, even if that means posting one that their friend looks quote-unquote worse in. Isn't it sad that we even care so much about our appearances? We realized that Charlie and Hannah were right. It isn't social media itself that is toxic in our lives. It is the way people use it, ourselves included. With this new awareness, Mariel and I began to wonder, when did we all become so vain? And why do we feel the need to compare ourselves to others on social media? Isn't it supposed to be a way to connect with others? Why has it become a source of isolation, depression, and anxiety? These are all questions that we were on a mission to answer, and we thought the best way to do so would be to understand what life was like for people before social media. We set out to talk with Gen Zers who had made a conscious decision to live social media free. But we quickly realized that we hardly know anyone our age who doesn't use Snapchat and Instagram. And that's how Jane and Mariel's Great Digital Detox was born. One week with no social media. Sounds easy, right? But even just coming up with the dates for the detox that would be convenient for us in all of our summer plans turned out to be way harder than expected. What if we do it when I get home? I get home on the 2nd, July 2nd. Let's start the 3rd. Do we want to do it over the 4th? Oh, wait, no. Then the 4th. 4th of July. No, okay. Um, so should we even try it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should. That Wednesday to Wednesday, we're going to do it. And not have it on the 4th? No, after the 4th. The so fifth. Friday. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Just the fact that we couldn't go off social media for a few days without planning weeks in advance really proved to us how dependent we are on it and how necessary this detox was. I feel like being alone and not having social media is honestly kind of scary. Eventually, we commenced our seven-day scary detox. We deleted every single social media app we had on our phones. So for us, that meant Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Visco, and Spotify. But rather than helping us detach from our phones, not having social media only pushed us towards more texting and less meaningful apps. And in the end, we still had the same screen time. When I didn't have social media apps, but I still had my phone, I would do stupid things on my phone that were almost worse than like looking at Instagram. I would look through my camera roll or like play games on my phone. Like that's such a waste of time. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that's the You're one that who scrolled through her camera roll like five times in a day. All right, yeah, that was pretty bad. It is interesting that no matter what you do, whether you delete Instagram or a game that you're addicted to, you will definitely supplement that app with another app. So you can't really win if you have your phone on. Like, if you're trying to really detox, you might as well just not have your phone at all. So that's just what Mariel and I did. We threw out our phones all together for two whole days. We 
went back to the stone age of landlines, making plans ahead of time and leaving notes on the fridge instead of constantly texting our moms updates on what we're doing. Meryl and I even had some good old-fashioned hangout time together without our phones. We went out and we just sat outside because it was such a beautiful day and it was so nice to be outside. And my sister and her friends were over and so Jane and I were kind of just listening to them and like whatever, we'd pop in into the conversation if we felt like we had anything to add. But there was a point where they all just went on their phones and like, whatever, that's fine. But Jane and I couldn't do that. We started talking about how we both needed new debit cards at the end of the year. Seriously, the most random topic. And then Ellie's friends, my sister's friends, look up and they go, God, like you guys must be on a digital detox because you are so bored. Like who talks about that? And there were so many examples. People would just turn to their phones as soon as they got bored and Jay and I would just be sitting there like legs swinging, just looking at each other like, what's up, Jane? <laughs> we're the only two not on our phones. Even my parents would be on their phones and I'd be sitting there and be like, hey guys, like want to hang out? <laughs> They'd be like, look at my Instagram, oh my gosh. I'd be like, I can't. When we asked our parents what they noticed about us during the detox, Mariel's mom had an interesting observation. It helped you set some goals. Like, okay, oh gosh, like I have all this time now. What am I going to do with it? And so I think, you, you know, like maybe you were going to read a book or maybe work out more or you started babysitting so you have another job where you're, you know, making some money. So you're making some good use of that time. Looking back, Jane and I couldn't agree more. We created new habits and partook in activities that before the detox, we quote unquote, didn't have time for. I picked up a magazine for entertainment. I can't remember the last time I did that. I made my bed first thing every morning. And even though it's something that's so small, I feel like it started my day off so much more productively than a week before. And after months of my mom asking me to clean my room, I finally did, which was a major breakthrough. If you know me, you know a clean room means a whole new Jane. We also encountered problems that we had long forgotten about, like finding a way to set an alarm. And that was a whole other mountain to climb, let me tell you. The digital detox, if anything, helped us go back in time. We grew up with social media, so by sixth grade, we had nixed the landlines and handwritten notes. This helped us relate to the stories that our parents had been boring us with for years about the prehistoric time without cell phones. And as my mom pointed out, it reconnected us with something from our childhood, which we barely remembered. It seemed like you were sort of unsure of what to do with your time when you weren't on social media, which was interesting to me because like as little kids, you all had so much to do all the time, whether it was like playing with sweet streets and using your imagination with your play friends, dolls, or in the puppet theater coming up with shows. Mariel and I found ourselves feeling a sense of boredom we hadn't felt in years, and it was in those moments that we realized something very valuable. When you're just sitting in silence and you really have nothing to do, I think that's when you can come up with a lot of creative ideas and things to do. When I drove into town last night, I drove to Mariel's house, I turned off my radio and just drove in silence, which was kind of nice because I just thought like the whole way it was kind of calming, like no one else was talking to me. I just had some time to be quiet. And I think quiet time is super rare in today's society. It's so hard to find time to yourself when you're not doing something, especially because whenever we're bored, we just pick up our phones, scroll through Instagram or like send a Snapchat because 
that connects us with other people and we see other people's faces, it's like so rare just to have time to yourself, which I think is super important because that's how you judge like how you're feeling and like what's going on inside of you. And it helps to organize your day or plan your day, figure out what you have to do. And I think it helps you remember things better because when I'm like looking at my phone, I'm like, remember I have to do something. Then I just go back to my phone and it doesn't really sink in. Being away from our phones helped us establish time where we were free to think or just sit quietly. We were also free to sleep without any distractions. Everyone is always saying that cutting down on screen time will help you sleep better. But it wasn't until this detox that we even had a chance to see if this was true. I definitely found this to be true because not only did I sleep more soundly, I also woke up easier and on my own. Meanwhile, I could not wake up at all. I was late to one of the podcast meetings because my alarm went off, I snoozed it, and fell asleep for another three hours. Not having my phone meant I didn't look at the screen first thing in the morning, so I didn't wake up as quickly. In hindsight, this probably meant my body was exhausted and needed the rest. I just hadn't realized it. Without social media, we were forced to look around, be productive, and create stimulation for ourselves. And our families definitely picked up on the change. I noticed you've picked up a new book to read, and I think you've been a little more eager to get into conversations with us. I saw you reading a magazine the other day, and I also noticed afterwards that you said, oh, Snapchat is just happens all the time. It's getting in the way of getting my work done. We embraced the change, and even after only two days without technology, we began to see the benefits. Studies say people are happier without technology and live more fulfilling lives. But even though deleting social media and being off our devices for a week reminded us how to be present with ourselves and with the world around us, Mariel and I know that living a phone-free life would be almost impossible. In today's society, you can't completely disconnect with the world because other people around you rely on technology to contact you. As soon as Monday came around and my boss needed to tell me when to come into the office, I felt stressed and as though I could miss something. I ended up running around town with my computer trying to find Wi-Fi to contact my boss and eventually was super late in reading her text that said I didn't need to come in after all. That same day, my close friend got in a car accident and I'm sure I would have received a phone call to hear that everything was alright, but I didn't have my phone, so I had no idea what had happened. After this experience and talking to the founders of the Not Okay app, I now realize that in the case of emergencies, technology and even social media can save lives, which is something I never thought about before. And when you're used to having communication in the palm of your hand and all of a sudden it's gone, it can be difficult to find other ways to communicate in times of need. So I guess what we're saying is if we were free to live in the moment and not have any obligations, leaving technology behind would be very ideal. But in today's society, everyone is so connected that if one person isn't connected at all, it creates road bumps and inconveniences all who surround them. We are connected because we have to be. Our society doesn't allow us to just drop off the grid and live in quiet. But necessity isn't the only reason Mariel and I immediately re-downloaded all of our social media apps after the detox. The truth is, social media is an integral part of our lives. It's entertaining, and it's how our generation stays in touch with one another and the world. In some cases, this connection has made our lives more open and less stressful. We never have to wonder where people are, and as my mom pointed out, constantly documenting our lives can have some unexpected positive consequences. I actually think you're certainly more likely to, you know, take a silly picture of yourself and not worry about it. And I think people used to be really conscious of, oh, that's not a good picture of me. I think in that way, a lot of what's going on, everybody is more open. 
But in other cases, the constant knowledge of what everyone is doing can make us feel isolated and sad because we feel like we're missing out or that we aren't as interesting or fun as other people are. When I brought this up with my parents, they agreed. My main concern is that anyone using social media actually can get an inaccurate view of what their friends are doing and what their friends' lives are like and what their friends are feeling. And I think that could be harmful because you wonder if you're the only one who's feeling sad or lonely or worried or whatever. And, and I think that's something that gets lost in social media. But for all the grief we receive, it isn't our fault, and it isn't just Generation Z. Our parents spend just as much time staring into the blue light. They just need twice as long to compose a text and have about a hundred more emails to respond to. It's probably made everybody have a more a shorter attention span. People want their news quick. You know, people aren't reading newspapers as much. I think it's it's actually happened to everybody. According to Wired.com, the data suggests that the ones most hooked on their devices are those graying Gen Xers. Research by Nielsen, for example, found that Americans aged 35 to 49 use social media 40 minutes more each week than those aged 18 to 34. Sure, us Gen Zers will spiral into a hole where endless posts and pictures from social media await, but our parents have to deal with so much more communication, whether that's with their kids or their workplace. Do you guys use technology or social media? I use only Instagram for social media, but uh, technology, of course, that my whole job is kind of centered around that. Um, we're all cloud-based at the office, and I use my phone uh, mostly to check weather, stock quotes, and the baseball scores. He looks at the baseball scores pretty often. Um, I use Instagram, Facebook, and email and text, and my work, I use the computer quite a bit. Even our grandparents probably spend the same amount of time trying to figure out how to log onto their computers, respond to emails, and read the news. Do you think this is true or not? I can turn it on very easily, unless it freezes up for some reason. If it gets in a clinch or something goes wrong with it, then yes, it does take me a long time to do anything with it because I try to turn it totally off at the power plant, a plant power switch, and leave the room. <laughs> it's sometimes hard to find the power plant. <laughs> it's clear we've reached a point where we can't go back and revert to the old ways before technology. We must find a way to balance the technology we have with a healthy lifestyle. We're the quote-unquote screenagers who can't hold a conversation and have the attention span of a goldfish. We are raised to always be in contact. Our parents want constant updates on where we are and what we're doing. And our friends wonder what happened to us if we don't respond within 30 minutes. For the sole reason of uncovering why our generation and society in general is so dependent on technology, Jane and I pursued a digital detox that we had no idea that we desperately needed. We were so consumed by our technology that we didn't even notice the part of ourselves that we had lost, like our ability to just sit and be bored and find creative ways to entertain ourselves. We never noticed how little we were talking to our families and how much time we spend looking down at our screens instead of up at each other. And it's just helpful to be aware is the most important thing I've learned from this because you don't realize when you're always looking at your phone. You don't realize, like, so many things. Everyone is consumed by technology, and while it's easy to say that it's destroying our social interactions, at the exact same time, it can save lives and keep friends close and families closer.
So the moral of this story? We aren't the only ones who live lives consumed by technology, but we are the generation that is least comfortable with alone time. Because we grew up in a world that encouraged us to replace boredom and loneliness with Snapchat and Instagram. What's the solution, you may ask? Well, for us, a couple of Gen Zers, we suggest you take a break, see how you feel, then reassess your usage. It's less about cutting your phone out completely and more about using it in a meaningful and intentional way instead of filling every second of your day with mindless scrolling. Because if we're being honest, we all know nothing has changed since five minutes ago when we last picked up our phone. It's just a habit. I find myself reaching for social media and Instagram like probably like 10 times the first day I started the digital detox. And then I finally realized like, oh, it's not there and I just don't need to look at it anyways. Like it's not benefiting my life in any way. From now on, Mariel and I are gonna turn off all of our social media notifications and charge our phones away from our beds. These are small changes, we know, but by limiting temptation, we can limit our usage. We are also going to be more conscious of comparing ourselves to others and unrealistic ideals. We found that we weren't worried about what we looked like compared to others when we were off social media. So why should we start now that we're back on? Everyone is different, and it's a waste of time to drive ourselves crazy over the way we look. Social media is a powerful piece of technology that could save your life or completely consume it. So let's help each other use it wisely. Next time on Gen ZT, we're going to take a look at politics through the eyes of our fellow Gen Zers. Right now, the youth doesn't have a lot of hope in what we're seeing in politics. I know some people think that not voting is an act of rebellion, but it's more of an act of surrender than anything. If more youth don't get involved now, we're going to lose our chance. And that's the Gen ZT with Jane Merrill and Mariel Gorsuch. We hope you didn't burn yourself. This episode was produced by Eleanor Bennett. Big thanks to our executive producer, Tammy Turwold. Music by Poddington Bear. And special thanks to Gaia Creative for our beautiful logo. Gen ZT is a production of Aspen Public Radio. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Hey, I'm Aspen Public Radio reporter Alex Hager, and thanks for listening to our new podcast, Gen ZT. We'd love to hear what you think. Post a comment on social media or drop us a line at apr at aspenpublicradio.org. Your membership is what makes new stories like this possible. We appreciate your support to help us grow. Not a member? Go to aspenpublicradio.org today. Thank you.